Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. What's up, y'all? This is episode 10 of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things, and Adam just said there are souls he does not care about. The souls of my shoes. (sighs) Yeah. I wanted to let that go a little bit, let that sink in. You just jumped on it a little too quickly. I don't want people thinking I don't, I don't care about souls. I don't think that you... Well, you don't. That's what you just said. Yeah, like human souls. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like when people take verses out of context. Oh, proof texting. Oh, yeah. gross. Mm, fun. Gross, gross, gross. So I haven't seen you <clears throat> for a grand total of how, nine days? Ten days? Nine days. Nine days. Nine days. How you been? Been good. good. Yeah, been good. I uh, went to my very first IU game on Saturday, which I know you don't care about at all. Not but in the least. Yeah, neither did anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> there was like eight people there. We were playing Charleston Southern University, something like that. So beat up on them, and it was a very quiet game. It was like... Were you quiet? I was pretty quiet. Really? I was pretty quiet. That surprises me. Normally you're like super pumped and loud and obnoxious about things like this. Yeah, but it's kind of hard to be loud and obnoxious when like you're the only one being loud and obnoxious. But that's like your MO. Yeah, but it was just, I was with people, you know, it's just... That's your MO. Okay, so I wasn't loud and obnoxious and it did pour on us. It stormed on us like crazy. So we got out of there and I parked in this like grass hilly lot and someone got stuck right at the exit in the mud. And uh, so I had my drive home delayed like an hour almost. Um, but then I also carved my very first pumpkin. I think carved is used loosely. <clears throat> it was not good. It was awful. It was it was terrible. It was terrible. I carved a watermelon back in high school, which I highly recommend because they're way more delicious. But uh, that was that was a much better job. My artistic skills are tanking by the day. So anyway, I have nothing fun or exciting to report. That's like twice in a row you've talked about not a lot of exciting things. My life just isn't really that crazy. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fine, yeah, I guess. That's I mean, good. Didn't you flow. go ring shopping? Did you say that already in the last cast? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, that was that was the day before. Yeah, we went ring shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, went to three different places and found something we liked at all three of them. So, yeah. so, okay. so that was good. I walked away feeling like, you know, I could buy from any of these places. And I feel good about the price range. And, and she liked what she found. And so it was good. Yeah. Right. yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, uh, we're back in our garage, if you can't tell. Yeah. Because the audio is trash. It was pretty decent. Yeah, for the, for the equipment we have, I was, yeah, I was impressed by it. A little Blue Yeti mic. That's right. That's right. Which I wish it was actually blue. It's silver. It's a little disappointing. But it does the job. It, it does know? okay. It's yeah. cute. I'm eating broccoli right now. I hope that's fine. I don't want to be like too noisy yeah. with people. But yeah. I'm starving. I haven't really eaten healthy you at all. You literally just ate a quesadilla. Okay, dude. Okay, that was like seriously, that was, like three. Minutes that was ago. the first thing, other than some hummus that I've had today. What do you have? Sriracha. Okay. This is sriracha mayonnaise on your broccoli. And it's delicious. I haven't put it on, but I'm going to because it's it's incredible. Yeah. But jury's out. On I'm not here. To, okay, open your mouth. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, give me a little bit. All right. So try a little bit of go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So it's gross. <laughs> You, you gotta open it, dummy. I thought it was like a squeeze. It thing. is a wow. 
This is really oh, embarrassing there are for you. Two cats. Okay, I, no one wants to listen to this either. Yeah, this yeah. is boring. So um, I've pretty much been on my own playing Mr. Mom the past four days. Nice. Yeah, Mary. Uh, she went with a friend to uh, Nashville, um, Tennessee. To have a, is it good? Bro, that is nasty. Oh my gosh. No, no, it's delicious, and you're eating it by itself. So oh. there's that too. It's gross. It's like nobody eats salad dressing by itself. Ugh. Yeah, but you can, and it's not terrible. This is not terrible. Uh, it's not good. Oh, my word. It's, it's good on sandwiches. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. I'm for embarrassed for that. you. That's fine. Look at you. All right, so Mr. Mom. Yeah, so um, I've had Desmond by myself for the past four days. Nice. Uh, which has been, it's been fun for the most part. Today was pretty rough because um, he's starting to rebel, that, that sin nature. Mm. Is, is becoming more and more evident. Mm. So it was about a two-hour, three-hour discipline battle with him. And since he's a Murray, he's very stubborn, and he has a high pain tolerance. So uh, trigger warning: uh, we spank. Were you spanking? We spank. I was already. Yeah, uh, already. Wow. He's over a year old. <clears throat> I'm not a parent. I don't know how it works. Okay. Well, basically, it just seems young. I mean, yeah, it seems a little young. It's kind of like once you can tell they're rebelling against you, that's when you need to start disciplining. So mm. there are times where he doesn't do. You know, he's throwing his food on the floor or whatever, but he's too young. He doesn't really understand. But once he understands and comprehends the word no. That's, I think, when it's okay to start disciplining. So whether it's spanking or timeout, whatever, however parents want to do it, the yes, point Aaron is... Aaron beats his child. Well, okay, so, I mean, kind of. So he has an incredible pain tolerance. So we, like, <laughs> just hear me out. Hear me out. So, this is going to get up. I, I know, this might get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, I, I'd spank his hand. But the middle right, pipe wasn't right? working. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I'd spank his hand, and it was, you know, pretty soft. And he'd just look at me, and he'd smile and come up and try to hug me, trying to get at it. I was like, oh, you little turd. So then I started, I would, I would test the, on uh, my hand. I would smack my hand and be like, okay, that, that's not too bad. And I'd smack him, and he'd look at me and start laughing. I was like, <laughs> so I'd have to, like, like, hit him pretty hard. I'm like, this is awful. And he would still, like, I don't know. I'd be like, this is really hurting me. And so I, I ended up stopping doing that because I was like, man, I'm going to hit him. Way too hard at one of these points, and that's just abusive. Yeah. So I started throwing him in his crib for 15 minutes, and still that wouldn't even work. I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you saying that your discipline hurt you more than it hurt him? Um, physically and emotionally, it <laughs> the, did, indeed. The, the first time ever <laughs> that that statement is true. <laughs> well, no, it's not. For me, maybe it's the first time that statement's true. Uh, but, anyway. Yeah, so it's been it's been a long weekend. Mary's finally home, thank goodness. Um I've missed her greatly. She, dude, she got me a uh, vinyl version of Chris Stapleton's new album. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is great. She also got you some like donut things that are incredible. Did I you just, have one? I ate a little bit of them. <sighs> she gave me some. She okay. wanted me to try it. As long as it wasn't mine, because she got two. I don't know. She just cut me off a little sliver. Okay, so your, like, your nasty mouth was anywhere near my donut. I mean... No, Adam. I mean... Gross. <laughs> it was a little weird. I, I, I don't even want that donut anymore. All right, I'll take it to go. <sighs> What are you talking about? Talking about the solas. <laughs> what solas? The 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 solas. The souls of your food. The feet. <laughs> the five solas of the Reformation. <laughs> We're making too many soul jokes. I know. It's seriously, awful. yeah. Okay. You've made all the soul jokes. Um. So yes. five solas of the Reformation. Yeah. What are they? 
I call them the pillars of Christian. Oh, faith. do you? I do. You didn't, you didn't read that somewhere. You no, I, well, I, I probably you probably did. came up with the five solas. <clears throat> you were did. probably the one who put the ninety-five thesis on the door of Wittenberg in fifteen seventeen. This is true. October thirty-first. Yeah. Yes. Halloween. Boo. No. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'll smack you. I know. Uh, okay. So the five solas yes. of the Reformation are sola scriptura, mm-hmm. sola Christus, mm-hmm. sola fide, sola gratia, and sola dea gloria. Not in that order. So actually, I'd be curious. Do you think the order matters? Uh, not really, but I think that it's I think it's helpful mm-hmm. uh, if it's done. I don't think it, like it's critical or ma- and like matters that much. But I think when you're going down the line, it's helpful to have it in an yeah. order. Yeah, I was talking to one of my elders about it on Sunday, and he's pretty adamant. Like, no, it has to be in this order always. I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> all right, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, which one do you want to do first? I mean, let's do scriptura. That would be my first. Okay, so let's... Would that not be your first? No, no, I think actually that that's my first. That was uh, one of my elders. That's what he was saying. He was like, no, everything is built on Scripture. That's to, what I think, too. Um, yeah, it's the foundation for the rest of them. So. Right. So um, we're, we're Joe Schmo here, so I don't want to use the Latin terms. That's, I mean, I know that's how people use it, but sure. it's kind of a little pretentious, sure. I think, maybe. Yeah, no, maybe not. Fine. So I think it's helpful. Sola Scriptura or Scripture alone? Scripture alone. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what, what's the basic idea of that? And again, maybe I don't want to get into a huge history lesson here, um, but this is, again, the five solas were, uh, it came out of the Reformation and it was pretty much contrasted up against um, Roman Catholic teaching right. before the Council or yeah, before the Council of Trent, before Vatican II and everything. So things may be a little bit different in how um, the, the Roman Catholic Church relates to these. I, I don't think so in, a, in any significant way. Do we know exactly when the... Because I know that in like Luther and Calvin's writing and stuff, they, they have reference to these, but it wasn't like all together, the five type thing. I right, mean, yeah. So basically, are you asking if there's anyone who was like, oh, I'm going to write these five solos out? Yeah, when did it become like um, popular? Yeah, I'm not really... I tried to look that up, and, and I, I didn't find anything. And I wonder if it's kind of the same idea that, that Tulip was. Right, that's kind of what I'm where it just like someone gave them these names and stuff, but these these were basically the core foundations of the Reformation. Yeah. If anyone knows, feel free to let us know. Yeah, please do. No one sends us messages or emails or anything. Sure. So sola scriptura by scripture alone, uh, we mean that um, the Bible is the supreme authority in all matters of doctrine and practice. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is our supreme authority. It's what we go to for everything. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, sola scriptura. Yeah. Sure. So. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Good, Adam. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, and the next one. <laughs> um, Summed it up. Any any scripture to confirm scripture? Scripture to confirm scripture. Indeed. There's a lot of scripture that talks about um, scripture, and if my computer were working, I mean, obviously you have Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is God breathed, mm-hmm. um, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. Um, you have uh, other passages, like one that stood out to me as I was looking through these. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? So how do we know, like, how, where does faith come from? So it, it comes through the word of Christ. It comes through the word. Um, that's the authority. So uh, those are two. There's a lot more passages that talk about scripture, um, Psalms 19, yeah. 119, all these. So, so Psalm. <clears throat> Psalm. Not Psalms. Psalms. Revelations. Revelations. Yeah, so um, maybe to give a little bit of a context for the scripture is the only infallible rule for faith and practice. Um, this is, I don't know if this is verbatim what Luther said, but this is what he said kind of towards the end of the um, Diet of Worms, when, or Worms if you're German. Worms. Uh, <clears throat> um, he says at the end, after 
they, they basically said, look, you need to recant all your uh, previous writings, burn them and everything. This is kind of what he says. Your imperial majesty and your lordship demand a simple answer. Here it is, plain and unvarnished. Unless I am convicted of error by the testimony of scripture, or since I put no trust in the unsupported authority of pope or councils, since it is plain that they have often erred and often contradicted themselves, by manifest reason I stand convicted by the scriptures to which I have appealed, and my conscience is taken captive by God's words. Mm. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to act against our conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. On this I take my stand, I can do no other, God help me. So basically what, what Luther is saying is um, you have the Pope, you have councils where, where they'll come together and they'll say, hey, look, uh, this, is, this is what we believe, blah, 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 blah. And Luther says, okay, that's all well and good. But if scripture contradicts that, scripture is the final authority on these right. things. So like, uh, like Jesus says in, um, in Matthew 22 when he's addressing, I believe, the Pharisees in this, he says, Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God, right? right? So you're making these assertions based off of other authorities or your misunderstandings of things. But if you knew the scriptures, then you'd get this right. So kind of what Luther's saying. Right. And I mean, I think we even see that um, as an example for us in Acts 17, where <clears throat> after Paul and Silas, they're um, going away. So this is Acts 17, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Mm-hmm. So here you have Paul and Silas, and you know these are uh, Paul's an apostle. He's inspired by God. He's going through and teaching these things, and so he's he's teaching these things, and they they seem somewhat new to these Jews. Like okay, Jesus Messiah, this mm-hmm. is interesting. So they go back and they look at scripture and they're like, okay, scripture validates what Paul is saying. Right. Paul is not validating what scripture is saying. Right. Okay. So it's, it's, it's uh, the horse before the cart kind right. of thing. John MacArthur just had a really good teaching uh, not long ago where he was talking about doubt. And he said, doubt is a good place to start, mm-hmm. but it's not a good place to finish. Mm-hmm. And use the Bereans as an example, right? They, they heard these things. They accepted it with eagerness. But then they went and they examined the scriptures to make sure that these things were so. So if what Paul was saying was not matching up with the word, they were going to discount that. Like that was their authority. I thought that mm-hmm. was really good. So. Yeah. So, and, and some people may say, well, okay, so you're saying scripture says that scripture is the word of God. Right. So isn't that engaging in circular reasoning? And to an extent it is, I mean, we're, we're not going to get into the whole canonicity and uh, the history of all that, but if you, if you want to look into that, look up Michael Kruger's book, um, Scripture Revisited. It's really, really good. So that he'll be able to tell you things way better than we could. But it's kind of like um, an atheist coming up to you and saying, okay, can you give me any other reason for believing Scripture is Scripture outside of Scripture? Right. And the answer is no. And it's kind of like saying the atheist to the atheist, well, you believe in reason and logic. Can you use anything other than reason and logic to prove reason and logic? Right. And so the idea is Scripture is our final and highest authority. So if you appeal to something higher than scripture, then scripture is not your highest authority and you should be appealing to that anyways. Right. So um, I, I, I can understand why it would be frustrating to be like, okay, this is circular reasoning. But to an extent, it, it kind of gets, that's, you can't go anywhere else because you have a final authority. Right. Right. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Maybe that's confusing people even more. Yeah, kind of. But um, I do think there are other, um, there are other means like you can use reason and logic um, to 
in your validation of scripture, right? You can look at the mm-hmm. like the archaeological evidence, the consistency of forty different authors, and all, how <clears throat> all of them are preaching the same thing. It's all consistent. Sure. The manuscripts, um, you know, how they all are are lined up. The very like variations in them are all like minor things, and actually, the amount that we have is so you can you can use. You yeah, can you use, can use those, but those are not your final authority. You don't appeal to that to say that because of these things, right. Scripture is true. Scripture is true, and these things verify that. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, they kind of take your tool out of your toolbox if you're going to submit to that and say, oh, well, I'm not going to use Scripture to try and validate why Scripture is true. You really don't have anything else to yeah. to, to stand on. But Yeah, um, I forgot to bring my confession out here, but I'll just tell you guys. Um, look, look up the, the, the Westminster and the, I'm sure the London Baptist, probably says something very similar about scripture. So I think London Baptist is chapter one as well. Yeah. Okay. And so is Westminster. So, so look up uh, Westminster Confession, LBC Confession, chapter one on scripture, and you will be benefited greatly. Okay. So we start with uh, scripture alone, and then we move on to the second one. Uh, which one do you want to do next? Uh, I usually go grace. Hey, we're on the same faith, page here. Yeah. Christ. Good, glory. good. All right. We're on the same page. Cool. All right. So uh, grace alone, What? what do you mean? Um, you are saved by by grace alone. We're talking about salvation here. Um, that, that you are saved by grace alone, not by any of your works mm-hmm. or anything you can muster up in yourself. It is all uh, a gift that God has given you. So, I mean, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, mm-hmm. right? We all know that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, not by works, so that no man can boast. Um, and then we can go out of there to talk about works later in verse 10. Right. But, <clears throat> but the point is that your, your good works, your trying hard, those types of things have absolutely no bearing on your salvation at all. It's only because of grace dispensed by the Right, I th- and I think um, it may be even helpful to back up a little bit and talk about the human condition sure. and talk about the idea of, of total inability or total depravity, which, which we have done in our um, previous episodes before. But uh, this is Psalm 51, and this is uh, David writing right after he has um, committed... Um, an affair with Bathsheba and all this stuff. So he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So, uh, we, we all know this. We talked about this before, so we won't spend too much time on it. But the idea is, in uh, is, David was sinful even as he was conceived. Right. So, he, he bore the mark of original sin. Um, the federal headship, you know, Adam sinned, and we all sinned. <clears throat> so, we're all stained. We're all um, dead in our transgressions. So, you mentioned um, Galatians 2, and... Uh, Galatians 2 verse 1 says, And you, being all of us, were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we once walked following the course of the world. And it goes on to talk about all these things that people did while they were dead in their sins. So the idea behind this is that um, good works are good, but we, we are physically incapable of doing good works. You know, Romans 3, um, 10 through 18, as it is written, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And it goes on to talk about how um, horrible we are in our sin. So that's why we need grace. Because we can't, 
without grace, we can't do anything good. Right. Even our even our good humanitarian works are corrupted right. by our desires and sins. So can non-believers build hospitals? Sure. Yep. Like that's that's a, a good thing. But are the are the motivations and desires? Are you doing it for the glory of God? If you're not doing it for the glory of God, you're robbing him of his glory. That sin, you know. So um, even our good works are corrupted. They're like filthy rags. Um, before God. So, yeah, you mentioned Romans 3. Romans 8 also talks mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. mind being set on flesh is death. Um, you can't please God, right? So um, we have that later on in Romans as well. Um, so one thing I saw in Romans 3, uh, just to show us uh, that um, the division between works and, and grace, it says, <clears throat> therefore, no one will be declared righteous in, God, righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law will become conscience, or conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law of righteousness of God, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Um, so that's telling us we're not, we're not justified by works, right? The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentiles. It goes on for all of sin and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So. Right, and, and like you said, for grace, this is Ephesians 2, for grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. So that, that's grace. Let's keep going, because uh, we've got a lot more to cover, hitting yep. faith alone. So I'm just going to keep, so I'm just going to go right back to this uh, Ephesians 2, because it says, um, like you said, for grace you have been saved through faith. faith. Right. Through faith. Right. Right. And then you uh, look at a place like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation for his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And then Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So when we look at this, faith is something that's given to us after grace so regeneration proceeds faith if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so the only way that we can put our faith in christ is if he has already given us a new heart right so a lot of people have have issues with this and i mean that's something that look send us a message we'll talk about it but it's pretty clear you know the the man who is dead in his sins cannot do anything to please god right putting your faith in god pleases god how do you please god by having a regenerate heart how do you have a regenerate heart through grace and then god gives you the gift of faith you know ephesians 2 again the gift of faith that you can um, repent and turn to him and then that's when the good works come in right so what would be a good way to say that um like grace grace is the means of salvation and faith is the agent of it or no other way around grace is the agent of salvation faith is the means would you agree with that uh sure no maybe sure. uh, sorry i gotta text <clears message. throat> <You're sorry. clears throat> look it's at that it's fine it's fine um anything else you want to say on faith or uh no i think i think that's good we okay. can move on to christ alone christ alone 
So, uh, <laughs> go ahead, keep, keep going. No, please stop, actually. Oh. Yeah, you nailed that note. <clears throat> I can't hear, I got headphones on. I could hear you. <laughs> so, uh, what, what do we mean by Christ alone? That, that grace is only obtained by the work of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Right, so you don't obtain grace. Um, uh, some people think that you uh, you obtain grace um, all the time based on your merits. <clears throat> the more merits, the more grace is dispensed to you. Whereas we would say you are justified by the work of Christ alone. It's a one-time thing. It's not a continual process. He justifies you um, by his work on the cross. He takes your sin upon himself. He imputes his righteousness to you. Um, so Christ is the one who is doing the work, not you. You're not. Yeah, let's let's talk about the idea of imputation a little bit, because again, we're looking at these kind of within the historical context, which with they were given to us, um, and again, they were kind of this came out of the Reformation, departing from the Roman Catholic Church, saying, "Look, you guys have kind of missed the mark over here. Uh, this is what Scripture teaches, and you guys are doing something else." So <clears throat> uh, the Catholic Church would say, "Look, you are infused." with the righteousness of Christ mm-hmm. and then you, you do all these good works. And then as, as you sin um, and commit, commit these venial sins, you, you know, there's like a drip, you're, you're leaking right. that, that infused um, righteousness that Christ has given you. And so that's why you need to do these sacraments and, and penance and all these other kinds of things. So um, the difference between imputation and infusion. Okay. So allow me to give you an analogy. Oh, thank if you. If that's okay. Oh, so infusion, think of it like this. Think of it as, um, you know, you, you need blood and someone comes and they, you know, a nurse comes and they hook up a blood bag to you and they um, give you a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. So they're putting in somebody else's blood into you. So it's a mixture of your blood and someone else's blood. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the blood cells are all working together um, synergistically, sure. <laughs> as it were. Whereas when we say imputation, think of someone who is completely dead and lifeless and has no blood at all. Or there is blood and it's all you know gross and nasty and just decaying and everything. So think of all that blood being taken out of this dead body and someone else's, you know, presumably Jesus' blood. We'll just do it that way. Jesus' blood being given to you, being imputed to you. Everything um, about Jesus is given to you. All of his righteousness and all of your sin is taken out and put on Jesus. Right. So that's kind of the difference between infusion and imputation. Right. Okay, so whereas once once you're infused with Christ's righteousness, you can lose it. Once you're imputed with Christ's righteousness, you cannot lose it. It, right. it, it never goes away. Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay. Yep. All right. And I think a, another way of looking at Christ alone is we receive grace through Christ alone. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4. Uh, this Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Mm-hmm. So again, this is just saying um, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Right. And then when we look at um, Hebrews four fourteen, Since then we have a high priest, being Jesus, who has passed through the heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So um, we, we, don't, we don't go to a, a pope to mediate for us. We don't go to a priest 
to mediate for us. We go to Christ, who is our mediator. He's the only mediator. Mm. And this is Hebrews 10.10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the whole context here is talking about Christ being the ultimate sacrifice. Um, So his death on the cross paid for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Mm -hmm. So it's done. Once again, once we have the imputed righteousness of Christ, it's once for all. So Christ alone, that's it. No, no popes, no other mediators. Christ is our only mediator between God and us. Absolutely. Absolutely. No saints interceding on your behalf. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, let me just say this for a second. Okay. Because we reform people. We dog on the Roman Catholics. And, you know, that's justified in a sense. Like, the, the, their doctrine is just, it's jank. Right. If you're a Catholic listening to this, it, it's jank. I, I love you for Jesus' sake. And I want you to repent, believe the gospel, hit us up a, a message, and we'll talk. Um, but it's jank. But it's jank. And so, so you have Catholics who look at these saints and they say, we don't worship, we venerate them. I don't really know what the difference is, but apparently it's a difference. And so we look at them and like, that's ridiculous. But let me tell you something. Reformed people, we've got our celebrity pastors. Oh, yeah. Okay? We've got our quote-unquote saints of the Reformation. We have, you know, Luther. I, I'm willing to bet that the majority of people who listen to the podcast, even you and I, Luther would be like, you guys aren't Christians. All right? And I know for a fact he'd lock you away. <clears throat> that's fine. Because you're not a pedo. Hey, sin will get you, man. So, sin will get I mean, you're right. Yeah, sin will so, get you, pedos. And, <laughs> okay. Um, but even at the uh, Gospel Coalition conference that, that Mary and I were at this spring, we were sitting there um, waiting for the doors to open. They opened them 45 minutes before the speakers um, talk. And so we're sitting there because I wanted to get a front seat because I didn't pay all this money to <laughs> sit in the back and look at a screen. I was like, I couldn't just do that at home. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm making a joke. I'm like, I bet you Babylon B will write an article like five people killed to death in a stampede to get the front seats to see John Piper. <laughs> and I'm joking about it. And there's people sitting around. We're joking about it. The doors open and literally there was a stampede. Like people literally ran up to the front. It was, it was pathetic. It was like, okay, I love listening to John Piper and, and Kevin Young and all these other guys looking Duncan and everything. But this is, it seems like almost idolatry, y'all. Yeah. Like... Look, we're, we're, it's Christ alone, people. Yeah. It's Christ alone. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're, we're pretty guilty of, of this as well, I'd say. <laughs> we are. We definitely are. Um, cool. So we want to uh, glory? glory? Glory. Should I sing a song about that? Um, you can. I don't wish you to, but All you right, could. I'll pass. Cool. All right. So I'll, when, we I'll say, uh, when we say glory of God alone, what do we mean? Uh, we mean that we don't get any of the glory. <laughs> like, like you get no glory for anything that you have mm-hmm. done. Everything mm-hmm. that Christ has accomplished, has he has done for his own glory. Yes, he loves you, but he also has done it for um, the glory of the Father, right? So um, when we are dead in our sins and he raises us up, um, we give glory to God because of that. Um, he, he receives all the praise, all the glory. Angels look into this. They don't understand this grace. That's First Peter 1. Um, However, if you want to say it's a synergistic approach, and I was smarter than somebody else, I made that decision, um, there's a sense in which you can say, I get some of the glory because I made a really good decision here. So Ooh, the calling I- out the Arminians. <clears throat> so the idea, the idea <laughs> is that everything that Christ has accomplished, um, he has done for the glory of his name. So 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. Isaiah 43, 5-7, do not fear for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say, go north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. 
Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Mm. So your sole existence, believer, non-believer, is to glorify God. Yep. That's your purpose. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Right? Romans 11. Uh, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Right? We all say that all the time. So, like, it is all about his glory. You don't get to keep any of it for yourself. God is a jealous God for Mm -hmm. his glory. So, Mm -hmm. um, and he should be. Right? So. Yeah. Give that glory up, sinner. Yeah. It's Jesus's. Right. Okay, so play a game? Let's play a game. Yeah. Let's play a game. What are we playing? So have you ever heard of Two Truths and a Lie? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to like this. And this should be easy for you because I'm your brother. Yeah, I know. I thought about doing it last week. I was like, no, that's going to be dumb. You know me too well. Well, well, fair, but you know, our audience doesn't know us all super well. So Mm -hmm. maybe maybe this will be fun for them. Okay. Get to know me a little bit. Whatever you say. All right, so I'm going to give you two truths Uh and a lie about myself. And you have to guess which one is to lie. So you don't care about souls and you want to lie and sin. Number one. (laughs) I had a surgery as a baby that Mm -hmm. left a large scar across my stomach and to this day affects my digestive system. Mm -hmm. Number two. I learned from my experience on a bro trip to South Dakota that cow tipping is an impossible feat. Mm -hmm. And three. Adam Vinatieri refused to sign my autograph for me, and he's my least favorite kicker to this day. <sighs> Which one's a lie? Two. Yeah. Dude, I mean... All right. I didn't know if you would remember. Of course I'd remember <clears throat> this. You talk about this all the time. I've talked about it like one time. Well, and I always know your all digestive right. system is messed up. <clears throat> yep. Yes, you do. All right. <laughs> Second one. Uh, a camel tried to bite my head off in a ghost town. I have played charades with Chinese people who spoke no English mm-hmm. where I had to act out using a bath towel in the middle of a hotel lobby. Or I cried alone in my room while watching Marley and me on my laptop. One. That's the lie? Yeah. No, no, wait, wait, wait. No, uh-uh. Sorry. Sorry. One is truth. Three is a lie. How do you know? I just do. Because... I know that you cried alone in your room watching the Miley Cyrus movie. Yeah, the last song. But yeah. not not Marley and Me. It was sad. You're pathetic. Uh, but Marley and Me is an incredible movie. I've actually never seen Dude, it. Dude, it's well, you'd hate it. You're not a dog person. Yeah, I don't care at all. Oh, it least. got me in the feels, man. It was like right after I got married, <clears throat> right after we got the dog. I think Mary was pregnant at the time. And mm. I'm just like, oh, this is this is awful. All right, well, you're two for two. Good job. Yeah. All right, number. You're just so boring. Dude, man. it's because I know it. you. Yeah, but I deal with your garbage superhero stuff every week. Uh, no, it's the same sir. thing no, like sir. every week. No, it's much. not every week. My last game was awesome. Yeah, but it had to do with Master Chief and all them too. So. Okay, you have to do with football every time. <clears throat> You're wearing a Jets jacket now. Have I had I had one football question. Oh, one. Gosh. All right, third one. Uh-huh. I, have t- I have two more of these. Right? Oh, good. I have played basketball with Yogi Ferrell and Gary Harris. I thought Yogi Ferrell was a cartoon character. Nope. That's Yogi the Bear. Okay. <laughs> Number two, I have su- successfully made it through a game of Bananagrams without losing my cool. And number three, I have climbed a tree to retrieve a coconut, draw a face on it, and name it Wilson. I know that one's true. I was there for that. <laughs> no, you weren't. I, I was in Haiti, dude. I mean, I definitely wasn't there for that. Oh, but it was true. Just <laughs> gave that away. Mm-hmm. I think it's the second one. That I have successfully made it through a game of Bananagrams without losing my cool? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have never made it through a game of Banana Grams without losing my cool. Isn't that like a game of Scrabble, like 3D or whatever? Sorry, Hannah, I love you. Um, yeah, it was kind of like That's that. a dumb game. It is a dumb game. Thank you. All right, and my fourth one. My name is Adam Douglas Murray. My birthday is March 19th, 1993. And pedo baptism is biblical. Which one oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> well... I think I will appeal to your um, your your ongoing sanctification right now, mm. because I think I think uh, pedo baptism is, is biblical. It's it's true and it's beautiful. And I forgot you were born in '93. So nope, I was born in '93. All right, that's my game. That's oh, that my was game. that was really sneaky and mean. I thought it was funny. Yeah, you're hilarious. It's my big crescendo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good for you, Adam. Yeah. Good for All right. you. Alright. Okay, so what we're gonna do now, um, is as I was um, just doing some research and stuff on the five solos or whatever, I wanted to kind of get a feel for how other people looked at them. So I watched some videos by Christians, I read some articles, uh things, so I, I wasn't sure how um like consistent Armenians would feel about the five solos. Hmm. Um so I read an article by, um, and this is this is like a five point Armenian yeah. type of guy, and he was all about him. So I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I was I was kind of be curious to, to press him a little bit on that, and I mean, praise God that he believes them well, all. But it, from a, from an Armenian perspective, what what would you not agree with? Um, faith alone, like you would say, there's works in there, I don't right? Think- so so I so I would say, and you kind of got into it a little bit about, um, right. you know, having faith is could be considered a good work, right? So Armenians don't see it that way, though. That's yeah. why that's why they probably wouldn't have an issue with it. But I do think that that would be considered work. Right. I mean, I do too. So, but I was I was pleasantly surprised um, to to read that, and then I watched a YouTube video by this guy. He was a um, he was a dispensational. I don't mean that as like every dispensational is like this. This guy was like a crazy. I think most dispensationals would want to be like this guy's nuts. Sure. He was a KJV only as psychopath, sort of like a Steven Anderson kind of a guy, Ooh. and he was like, "Yeah, this is heresy. <laughs> Five Souls is a heresy." So he he was his idea was that faith alone is easy believism and blah 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 blah. So then I read uh, an article um, from a Catholic because I I really wanted to know what a Catholic would think about this, and so this is from. Um, Catholic Bible 101 and so they wrote an article on the five solos it's not a long article um, by any means it's maybe 1500 words or so long so I thought maybe we could go through and and read that um, hear his uh, responses and then be like well okay maybe this is where you missed the mark or where you got this sure so so you think okay so um, he basically does an introduction about the five solos coming from the Reformation says what they are uh, and then he goes on, he says, let's take a look at these and see if they're still valuable today. The first thing that is striking is that if they were all alone, then why do the other four even exist? In other words, if we are saved by scripture alone, then why do we even talk about grace or faith? Why do we need scripture when we are being saved by grace alone? Are any of these alone in the Bible? So let's, let's pause here for a second. So the idea is, can it really? You have five alones. Isn't that a contradiction? Right. Isn't that that doesn't really make sense? So, so what? I think it's a straw man argument. Honestly, um, you're not saved by scripture alone. You're pointed to how you are saved through scripture alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Scripture alone is your authority to know how salvation comes about. Like who does the work? God does the work. That kind of thing. So, um, <clears throat> that's the first first straw man. But then, like I said, grace 
is like God is the worker, Christ is the worker of it, grace is the agent of it, and, and faith is the means of it. So Christ is the worker of it alone, faith is the means of it alone, grace is the agent of it alone. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's kinda it's kinda like getting in getting in my car um, through gas alone by pressing on the pedal alone, using the steering wheel alone using you know whatever you want to say alone the, the, it's, it's all kind of one thing but it's juxtaposed put against what the catholic teaching roman catholic teaching was at that time right so it was like not this this only this not this this only this so you don't need you don't need councils and you don't need um the church and everything to tell you what scripture is scripture right. tells you what to believe you don't tell what scripture right is okay right. And, and, and things like that so it's 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 honestly a fundamental misunderstanding of what the five souls are right um but i again i i understand why people would think that sure. if they didn't properly know my my issue is he's writing about them so i would expect him to know better sure i guess yeah, yeah, absolutely and we were talking about this uh i'll just save that that's fine um so you want to go on yeah um and are any of these alones in the bible a quick search shows that only one of the solas, the words faith alone, does appear in the Bible, as follows. James 2.24 You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Yeah. Strange that one sola that does appear in the Bible contradicts the very sola itself. Works, good works, not useless Jewish works of the law, are part of being justified. The Catholic Church teaches that justification begins at baptism when the Holy Spirit comes to us even while we are infants. And being saved is a lifelong journey that doesn't end until we die and are allowed into heaven. Um, you want me to keep going or you want to respond to this? Uh, I think that's fine. Okay. I think that's fine. Um, so, so how would you respond to that? Someone says, oh, the only time that faith alone is used in scripture is when it says you're justified by works and not faith alone. Yeah. Well, I'm going to... Checkmate, Aaron. Pull. <laughs> Let me open up my Bible here for a second. So he's quoting James chapter 2. Now this... This is, uh, people use this a lot, actually, so it's it's not that um, difficult to talk about. So it's James 2.24. So actually, I'm going to start in James 2.14. Um, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and, are, and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So um, then he goes on to talk about Rahab, James does. So so the, the idea that, um, I don't know this guy's name, I couldn't find it on the uh, uh, article. But what he's saying is, look, it, it flat out says that um, you are justified by works and not by faith alone. So it's like, aha. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So let's back up here a little bit. And let's see here. So he uses Abraham as, as an example. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, because I'm a friend of God. Even before that, it says he was justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. So he's saying, 
look, this is Abraham, the author of this uh, article, saying this is Abraham. Um, he went and he or was going to sacrifice Isaac as a good work, which in turn justified him. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. But that's not actually true. And even James says this because he says this. And then after he says that, he talks about Abraham believing God and it being counted to him as righteousness. So this he's quoting. James is quoting. Got to be careful about what I'm saying. Right. James is quoting when he says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him by right of, uh, to righteousness. He's quoting Genesis 17 right. when God first gives him the covenant of grace. And he says, look, I'm going to you know, give you a son and all this other stuff. And he cuts up the animals and makes Abraham fall asleep. And the, the fire smoke pot goes to the animals, symbolizing that God is going to take on our punishment and all that stuff. Right. So Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this is Genesis 15. Isaac and this quote-unquote sacrifice doesn't happen until Genesis 22. So this is, you know, decades even after. Decades after Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, so Paul talks about this in Romans 4 when he says Abraham believed God and it's I think he even uses the term gospel. Right. So he believed the gospel. Right. And so he was counted as righteous. So it was that moment when Abraham was regenerate that moment in Genesis 15 and then decades later Abraham acted out his faith mm -hmm. um, as a regenerate person does by believing God and following God so we even we've even talked about Galatians 2 it is by grace you have been saved through faith not of the work it is a gift of God not by works so that no man can boast and it goes on to say that God has prepared good works for us to do in light of our faith. Right. So James' whole point is he's talking to people who say that they're Christians, but they're they're not acting like it. Right. So he's talking very much to the Christians of today, where we we proclaim Christ, but we don't act like we're His. So um, th this is not at all James two is not at all saying that you have to earn your salvation. Right. All right. He's saying that kind of faith, the yeah. the, the stagnant faith that doesn't produce fruit is dead right it's not real faith he's not contradicting paul in ephesians 2 right. or romans 3 he's actually supporting right um what what jesus teaches about the trees that don't bear fruit they'll be cut off right so mm -hmm. real faith that's living and active is is a faith that works faith that is just you know words that just comes out you pray the prayer or whatever but you don't live like it is evidence of the fact that you are not truly mm -hmm. safe that you don't truly have faith faith that is alive is faith that works. That's James' point here. So, right, cool. Yeah, and so just we'll continue on in the article. But he's basically saying, look, there these alones, these faith alone, grace alone, these are not found in the Bible. And then he goes on to say that the Catholic Church teaches that justification begins at baptism when the Holy Spirit comes to us while we are infants, and being saved is a lifelong journey that doesn't end. And blah 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 blah. It's like, well, that's not in the scriptures either. Right. So I don't, I don't know what your point is. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I was talking with Aaron about before we started. Um, is if you're gonna if you're gonna tear down somebody else's position, I really want you to build up your own. I want you to give me scripture supporting your own views. Otherwise, I I, I can't take it very seriously. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway. yeah. The next one is scripture alone, which does not appear anywhere in the Bible. The text, sorry, I mean snarky. <clears throat> the text most <laughs> often used by Protestants to back this one up is Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. However, great this passage is, the word alone does not appear in it anywhere. The word profitable does not mean only. If it did, then Titus 3.8 below would mean the good deeds are all we need to be saved. 
The saying is sure, I desire you, desire you to insist on these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to apply them to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. Applying the word alone to scripture also means that anyone can properly interpret it without the magisterium, the sacred tradition. In other words, the Catholic Church only claims infallibility with the official documents of the church spoken ex cathedra from the chair by the Pope. This sola claims that anyone and everyone who interprets scripture on their own is infallible. And how wrong is this today with over 30,000 Protestant denominations, with some even claiming that homosexuality is no longer a sin? So this one cracked me up. Dude, this one, I'm sorry, this is pathetic. Yeah, this one, this one was not very good. Um, so his first, let's just take it a little point by point. So mm-hmm. his first thing is because the word alone doesn't doesn't show up behind any of these you know passages talking about scripture alone. Like what what would you say? Because the word alone doesn't show up there. What would your response be? So what? That's not what we're and. That's not the only verse that we're using. So when we say scriptural, like we said earlier, we're saying that scripture is the only infallible rule for faith and practice. Right. Not speaking ex cathedra from the chair, not the magisterium, not what whatever this other guy, sacred t- tradition. If sacred tradition says something that the scriptures don't say, which one's right and which one's wrong? That's really the, the crux of the argument. Right. So it's it's scripture. It's not your traditions. It's It's scripture. Right. I mean, you see Jesus, like we already mentioned it, um, condemning the Pharisees, saying you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. If you knew the scriptures, you wouldn't be wrong about this. Like that's the standard. Know the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, in Matthew four, he says, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, is alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Right. So um, know the scriptures. Like that's the standard. We see this all the time, mm-hmm. all throughout Scripture. Just because the word alone isn't right there in it, doesn't mean that. That scripture is not the the standard, the supreme authority. Right. So, anyway. Well, and he says this. This sola claims that anyone and everyone who interprets scripture on their own is infallible. Yeah. No, we don't. Right. (laughs) Dude, come on. Read a book. And then he goes on, 30,000 Protestant denominations with some even claiming that homosexuality is no longer sinful. Um, You you may have people who reclaim Christ and spout error. Well, see, <laughs> Catholics. <laughs> I was, I was actually wondering. Um, see, this is where I would want him to support his position. Yeah. I really, I truly do, because I want to know where in Scripture or where in the world this teaching of the Pope having infallibility mm-hmm. comes from. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that comes from, other than the imagination of some guy that said, "Oh, I want to be infallible now." I mean, well, I think so. They would, they would point to Matthew sixteen, saying that the keys of the kingdom have given to you, Peter. So okay. they would say Peter is the first pope, but even if that let's grant that, even yeah, if that's, that's true, saying. where where do you get papal succession? Right. That's that's that's, that's what I don't understand. Um, there's just a huge leap between on you I will build this church or whatever that passage mm-hmm. says, you know, yeah. like from papal succession. So I don't know. But then I thought it was funny because didn't Pope Francis come out in favor of homosexuality or something? Recently? Well, they're they're kind of up in the air. And then you've got you've got other people who disagree on the Marian dogmas and, and, yeah. and all kinds of things like that. So just because you have disagreements on something doesn't that doesn't really say anything. Right. I, and I I don't know. I would just yeah. Anyway. And and when you look at these thirty thousand supposedly thirty thousand Protestant denominations, I've heard higher, I've heard less. Um what matters is really your view of Jesus. I mean, honestly, the five solas I think right. are a good are a good mark of the church. Right. Really. So when you when you look at all these denominations or whatever, generally they're going to agree on salvation. Yeah. Like you and I disagree on baptism. Right. Um, which is a very important issue. Right. But it it's not going to send you to hell if you disagree if we disagree with one another. Right. Kind of a thing. 
So, so that, I, I would be willing to venture a guess that some of those numbers are like Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. If you throw in Mormons yeah, and yeah, Hebrew yeah. Israelites or whatever. But. You might be. Okay, the next one, grace alone, isn't found in the Bible either. Catholics would agree that we are indeed saved by grace, which is a free gift from God. Where we differ is the method of how we receive that grace. The Catholic Church regularly dispenses sanctifying grace through the sacraments. The Protestants believe that God just gives them grace whenever he wills it. Sacraments are not. The Catholic version of this one would be that we are saved by grace, which increases our faith and leads us to do good works as a very necessary fruit of our faith. Yeah. <laughs> that one's funny because I don't know how you can even support transubstantiation. Right. Well, you have that one passage in Matthew 6, which well, and there was absolutely no... John, like, John 6. Or John 6. But even, even, even John 6, like people leave and... Peter goes up, Jesus, what are you telling me? He's like, that's not what I'm saying. Right. That's literally the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Well, and you're drawing those conclusions from people at the time who would have no idea, like, at all what that was talking about. I mean, nothing. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Well, he has this He has this faith. The Catholic version of this one would be that we are saved by grace, which increases our faith and leads us to do good works as a very necessary fruit of our faith. And so we talked about grace alone, you inevitably, which we did have to talk about human inability and our sin nature. And how we cannot have faith apart from the grace that God has given us. So faith does not increase our grace. Grace gives us faith. So I, I think he, again, he misunderstood what, what grace alone means there. Um, but we'll, we'll move on because we are well past the 45-minute mark. All right. The fourth one, Christ alone, also sounds great. Who could argue with the fact that we are saved by Christ alone? The problem with this is that the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Trinity, that's not in the Bible. Yeah, I've never heard that word. <laughs> the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit, also plays a huge role in our salvation. He actually emphasizes huge. I wasn't being Trumpy there. It's huge. According to the Bible, we are temples of the Holy to the Holy Spirit. Peter and the apostles all followed Jesus and ate with him, talked with him, and tried to follow him. It wasn't until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them that they received power. Catholics receive the Holy Spirit at confirmation and can receive where? Where's that in the Bible? And can receive him again and again through the laying out of hands by charismatic or reinvigorating your faith. And what about the role of the communion of the saints playing our salvation? They lead us to Christ, as do our parents, our friends, and our fellow Catholics. The whole problem with this particular sola is that it isolates us into a me and Jesus scenario, where I don't really need a church or a family telling me what to do. And that is so wrong. Jesus set up his church for a reason, to be his kingdom on earth. And this sola allows for no glory to God our Father, who we pray to each and every time we say our Father prayer. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this and he's like, yeah, parents, friends, fellow Catholics, you know, whatever, fellow believers, whatever, they all play a big role in this. Well, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't play a big role in your salvation. They might be a means that God uses, mm -hmm. but Christ is the one accomplishing the gift. No one would, uh, yeah, no, Christ is the one accomplishing salvation. No one would say that, like, oh, my friend saved me. Like, what, what, is, what is that? Right. I mean, right. The, the instrument's in, in a Redeemer's hand. And again, I think, I think he misunderstands what we mean by Christ alone. Right. Because we, what we mean by Christ alone is that Christ is our only mediator between us and God. And so he mentions uh, the Spirit, right. the Holy Spirit playing a huge role in our salvation. And that's totally correct. Absolutely. That's yeah. absolutely correct. But what the Spirit does is applies to us the work of Christ. Right. Exactly. So it's, the Spirit is not the one who is the propitiation and sacrifice for our sins. It's Christ. So I, 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 he just he just misunderstands. And again, I, I just I don't want to be snarky here, but this is 
this is just not good. Yeah. This is not good. And yeah. I and we were talking about this earlier. I, I just don't think that your well-to-do Catholic apologists think like this. I think this is probably written by some Joe Schmo Catholic guy, kind of like we're Joe Schmo Reformed Theology guys. Right. So, but but still, I just... I, I have know. heard some of these things from, um, from like, well-known Catholic apologists, but they will at least try and back it up with something. Yeah. Like that's what I'm really struggling with, is there's no attempt to even back stuff up, and there's a lot of misrepresentation and misunderstanding of it, which is fine. Like, we all... They're, like... I misunderstand things and I'm sure I misrepresent things all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do like publish something, I would put a little more work into it. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be without error, but um, this is not very good. Yeah. And so if if there are people listening to us, whether you're Catholic or you know a lot about um, Catholic theology and we're not being fair or whatever, let us know because I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Okay. The last one, the last one is solo Deo Gloria or glory to God alone. This one also sounds like a winner. However, there's a problem with it. Jesus himself said in John 17, 22, that he gave his glory to his apostles at the Last Supper when he gave them the Eucharist. And while none of the apostles' lives or works will save us in and of themselves, they are indeed one of Christ's, and they are partakers in the divine nature. It really is okay to venerate the saints, which is not the same uh, glory and honor we need to give to Christ. A lot of Protestants confuse veneration of the saints with glory to God. Mention the communion of saints to a Protestant who says the Apostles' Creed every Sunday, and you will usually get a blank stare back. In other words, most Protestants who recite the Apostles' Creed say they believe in the communion of saints, but they do not know what it means. What it means is that the saints in heaven are our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us and who help us in our journey in this life. After all, Jesus says that they are alive, Luke 2.38, and since they are partakers in the divine nature according to 2 Peter 1.4, that means they can hear us and help us. So there's there's uh, his response to that. Did, can you look up John seventeen twenty two? I can. I was looking at something else. Okay. Let me do that. Yeah. So th- th- this is he was saying. Um, this is one also sounds like a winner. However, there's a problem with it. Jesus himself said in John seventeen twenty two that he gave his glory to his apostles. So, yeah, that's what I was looking at. Yeah, he's he's going up against glory to God alone when he's saying, well, actually, no, it's glory to. The apostles, which is where we get the idea of veneration, I suppose. All right, so I'm going to start in 20. Yeah. Uh, I do not ask for these things only, or for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, uh-huh. that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Uh, I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me uh, should I keep going no I think that's fine okay so I'm not I'm, again I think he's he's kind of missing the point here um, because it seems like what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about the union that his people in Christ have right. together and I think we can go back to Isaiah 42 8 which we talked about um we're talking about God's glory. Right. It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor right. my praise to a carved idols. So th- there is a sense in which we participate in the glory of Christ. Right. But that we're using that term differently than, than God uses it in Isaiah 42 when he says, all glory is mine. All worship is mine. So I think that goes up against venerating people right. and, 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 and glorifying people. Now, I... I 
you may think I'm wrong here if you're a Catholic and listening. And again, I respond, and I'd love to talk to you, and I'm not trying to, like, let's fight about it, but let's help each other understand each other's positions. Um, but just because you have two words, they, they're used differently. So, for instance, um, you look at the sun, and they say, well, it's, look at all the sunshine. Or I can talk to my wife and say, my wife is the sunshine of my life. Okay, it's yeah. the same word, but it means completely different things. Right. Completely different things. And I think context is key. And I think you, uh, whoever wrote this, missed the context. Yeah, and I think this is the problem you get into. And I know Protestants get into it in a lot of ways, too. This is, this is a beef I have with, like, Armenian theology, for instance. If you, if you proof text something, you take it, you mm -hmm. read it literally or something, and you just read that little portion, um, and you, you read that in light of your system that you already have in place, right? You're, you have these phil philosophical ideas that you already have in place and you just take that one portion of scripture, like it's going to make sense to you. You're going to use that. You're going to jump on it. But if you look at the whole counsel of God, um, these things become much more clear uh, rather than just taking one thing and piggybacking on it and, and not understanding the full context that it's in, like in James 2 that we were pointing out earlier. So Yeah. So he, he kind of goes on to talk about, you know, the communion of the saints and we're supposed to venerate and give them glory. Not the same glory we give to Jesus, but um, give them glory or whatever. And so he says, after all, Jesus says that they are alive, uh, Luke 20, 38. And since they are partakers in the divine nature, according to 2 Peter 1, 4, that means, I don't even know what that means by divine nature. Um, and since they are yeah. partakers in the divine nature, according to 2 Peter 1, 4, that means they can hear us and help us. So... It, it, it seems like he's he's saying um, we, we should pray to them. So Luke, Luke 20, 38, um, I should look that up. But I think, yeah, okay. So it's the, the context is when the, the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection come up to Jesus and say, hey, look, here's this woman. She gets married. Her husband dies. He has seven brothers. Then right. probably gets married and he dies, blah, 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 blah. Who's going to be married to her in heaven? And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. None of them is going to be married because there's no marriage in heaven, you know. Um, you're going to be just like the angels and um, actually kind of want to look that up to see if he uses the term alive uh, it says Luke 20 38 I believe so 20 38 now he is not a god of the dead but a god of the living for all live to him okay um, okay there's that so then he says um, in 2nd Peter uh, 1 4 that we are partakers in the divine nature Let's look at Second Peter. So I'm going to start in verse 1. No, I'm going to start in verse 3 because the first one or two are just greetings. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us to his own glory and excellencies, by which, this is verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. It's just talking about glorification. It's just talking about glorification. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So I, it seems like, again, this, this, is, this is just bunk. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so this is uh, one more paragraph. Um, See, mine cut off. It's all gone for me. Okay. Catholics could come up with a lot of these solas. Since the Bible says that we must eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus to have life within us. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Then we could say that we are, he, he references John 6. Go read John 6, guys. John 6, just so you know, John 6 was before the Last Supper. Yeah. People re hearing Jesus talk about John 6 have no idea what in the world he's talking about. Mm. This, is, this is before. Right. Uh. <clears throat> then we could say that we are saved by the Eucharist alone. 
And since Paul talks about the value of personal suffering for the church in Colossians 1.24, we could say that we are saved by suffering alone. And since the Bible says that the church is the pillar and bulwark of truth, 1 Timothy 3.15, then we could formulate the doctrine of being saved by the church alone. And since we have been forgiven for our sins before we can enter heaven, we could come up with the doctrine of confession alone. And how many more of these could we invent if we had the time? See, that just that is so telling to me, though. How many of these can we invent because we can infer something yeah. from like one little passage that we see? We can make an entire doctrine out of them. That's the problem. Right. You're not, you're not taking in the, the whole of Scripture. Oh, man. So how many could we invent if we had the time? Lots. But to no purpose whatsoever. The Bible was meant to be taken as a whole, hey, (laughs) and not to be broken down into parts for convenience sake. To sum up all of this shorthand abbreviation for our faith and the five solas leads us away from the rest of what is necessary for salvation, like the church, the sacraments, prayer, helping the poor, performing good works, etc. After all, why do all of this if it's just me and my Bible, me and Jesus, me and whatever? And that's how it ends. Yeah. So I... I, (laughs) So, so to be fair, to be fair to this guy, um, I think that there are some n- incorrect arguments out there that are not like the worst arguments in the world. They've been supported by Catholic apologists and stuff, and you can listen to them and you're like, okay, I can understand where people come from on this stuff. But man, you got to support something like that. And again, I'm not saying they're correct. I'm just saying that like, do, do at your, least they're trying. Do, do your homework yeah. here, I, like, because if you're gonna say this stuff, I just want to see something from. Yeah, it. and I, I mean, I don't know. Um, who is the author of Catholic Bible 101. Um, it seems like it's an apologetics website for Catholics, um, kind of like Karma is for uh, Protestants. But uh, I don't know. Um, this is this is what popped up, and I hope that we have helped you in understanding what the five souls are and then seeing that it's really important to understand them. Otherwise, you're going to come out with a just a not good article like this one. Right. Well, and... You know, everyone has an authority, and if it's not scripture, it's something else, it's media, it's whatever. Um, so there's a lot of ways to be led astray out there. So ground yourself in scripture and uh, lean lean heavily on what Christ has done for you. And, yes. Yep. All right. Indeed. Cool. So, uh, episode 10. Episode 10. I, I actually didn't think... Today? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think we'd make it to episode 10, to be honest with you. Hey. I thought we'd pop out five and then quit. I think we're done now, right? Well, no. I don't want to be done. All right. Maybe, maybe five more. I'm, we'll having, I'm having a really good time. All right. This is a lot of fun. Well, good. I mean, I hope I hope people listen. So, um, that that's episode 10, y'all, of the five solos or five alones. If five we're gonna, alones, If we're yeah. going to talk in English, yeah. I guess. Um, until next time, remember every Joe Schmo can grow some mo. Peace out, y'all. Got my man fanatic. Let's get it. Look. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We make them known through this microphone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier, and praise God for the five solas. Scripture alone is the highest authority known. The Lord's on the throne, to God be the glory alone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier, and praise God for the five solas. The question at hand for man stands up in amazement. What is the basis for man's justification? How are we justified before a holy God, knowing Jehovah died for the that God would be glorified. How are we bona fide in Jehovah's eyes? Put the five solas in drive and answer the question. The Latin expressions point back to the blessings we have in his presence. I'ma let fanatic last second class is in session. Who's our connection to the father's affection? Who blood covers us and covers the cost of a life?
lectures. Be of the cross, he crossed into death and crossed out the law, then crawled back into flesh and skin. No one should stand between a man and God except the man who died, rise and told his man to put his hand in his side to prove that he was alive and that he is God. These priests who couldn't believe for us need to stand aside. Faith alone, you probably won't believe this is totally the poetry of Jehovah's deed. Go and read Romans 3. We see a justification apart from the law to trust him in faith is all that we are called to do to receive grace and be declared righteous and bear his likeness and best of all I get to be where Christ is we endure in this earthly life it is worth the price but only saved by putting faith in the finished work of Christ saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone we make him known through this microphone I told ya get your hands high soldier and praise God for the five solas scripture alone is the highest authority known the Lord's on the throne to God be the glory alone I told ya get your hands high soldier and praise God for the five solas no, to be boxed in or locked in. I'm a watchman. I watch men lose lots of friends boxing over doctrine. So I only throw the gloves on with love on. Cause something like solo scripture, we can't budge on. No matter how eloquent the embellishment of the message, the reality is that the relevance of it is judgment. What was published when heaven sent 66 books that hold more weight than 88 elements. So I see a lot of people trying to be a good person, thinking it makes them righteous as if they could earn it. But good works and morality doesn't save. Everyone's the brave, unashamed of sinning, living from the grave. Runaways like sheep, we've all gone astray. What could exonerate sin if not my word? Only the Father's grace. Matter of fact, by grace alone, his face is shown. It opened the way to the throne. And to take us every unit in the universe is uniquely maintained for the sake of the fame of God's great name. From every molecule in solitude in outer space to cyberspace to the ones in your bodily frame. From the eve of the first atoms with Adam and Eve. Imagine every atom you can fathom. Adam and Reed, they'll all spell out for us before the story is done. Everything only existed for the glory of one. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We make them known through this microphone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier. And praise God for the five solas. Scripture alone is the highest authority known. The Lord's on the throne to God be the glory alone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier. And praise God for the five solas.